This is a special edition. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening. Wherever you're listening to this from, you are highly welcome to another episode of Life Lessons with Tammy And today, I am not alone. I have a very, very big guest in the house. <laughs> We have someone in the house that won an award of the title is the African Changemaker of the Year. Guys, do you know what that means? Thank you again for having me. My name is Busa Osowo Bissom. Uh, I am a Nigerian. Uh, I'm a lawyer and I run Busoso Foundation. Wow. So we are so, so glad to hear from you. I know we have a lot and a lot to learn from you. Me especially because when I went to your profile, I was bamboozled. We are so, so glad to have you here, sir. I hope you're doing great and your weekend is going fine. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm doing well. All right, that's great. How does it feel like to be the African change maker of the year? <laughs> <laughs> How do I begin to, to answer this? Um, for, for, for me, I think it is um, um, a push to to do more okay um, it's also a a sign that we we are actually um creating the desired impact because um the reason for the award it's um it's just a summary of the work that um i have been doing and to see that that work is um is visible enough to be able to to attract the award it's something that i consider uh, um, very very wonderful especially because as, as a person i don't believe in um struggling to get award or buy okay. awards yeah or having people to vote for you to win an award yeah um, so that was why I was. Uh, I felt that this one is is kind of different. All they they needed for you to do is to show evidence of the work that you are doing, and a decision will be made will be made on that. So it's a it's a good feeling. I when I was nominated, I didn't have much expectations because I saw a lot of people on that list. And uh, wow, like I will always do. I try to understand. The people that I am trying to work with, or the people that I'm having something in common with. So when I read through the profiles of everyone on that uh, uh, list, 
I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> let's see, let's see how this goes. That's great, sir. going through your profile going to your bio i figured out that your legal practice is centered towards fundamental human rights child promotion and family protection so we would like to know what kindled your love your passion for all of these okay um for for me um studying studying law right came as um, a a desire to be able to um, create change and ensure that people are not intimidated. I I hate intimidation. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, my practice around fundamental human rights is basically helping people um, get justice in situations that people feel that they can't get justice. Many of wow. the cases, many of the cases that uh, I have been involved in, the people that I have had to to defend and see that their rights are enforced, are people that um, those who are infringing on those rights mm-hmm. feel too powerful. And so, um, when we step into the situation, if you see me physically. I'm, uh, I'm very little in terms of <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm always underestimated and which I love so much because it always works for my good. Okay. So, yes. So we I get into those situations and see that we fight to the letter to ensure that people get justice. Then for um, family law. Yeah, and the child protection is still based on I'm a children person. The, the work wow. I do around social foundation is revolving around young people, and so um, being a lawyer, I also try to see how much of the law I can inculcate to help me achieve that purpose. So issues of trafficking, abuse of children, especially physical abuse. Has been. A, I grew up in this community where um, physical abuse of children that are either stepchildren or um, what we call house help was mm-hmm. very prominent. Wow. So yes. So um, being a lawyer, that is one thing that I seek to always do in writing, in defense, even in some cases, even when a case seems to be to be against against us if it involves a child we would want to push it to the end to ensure that that person who is involved in it even if he ends up winning the case if she, he or she think twice of abusing a child again uh-huh. he, he would need to he would need to recollect and ask himself if he want to pass through the legal struggle so for COVID, which is family law what it, those are issues revolving um administration of estates right so i think that um for me having a having lost someone and uh, uh, having to deal with all of the struggles in terms of um having access to uh, um, 
dead benefit and all of that um, it's something I, I try to help other people not to experience and so all the all the areas that I practice law around are places that I've had um, a few personal experiences okay. and for me that, that makes the whole thing very easy so if I'm getting yes. into any of these areas it's, um, it's something that I am both passionate about, I've had experience with, and so it makes it, makes it easier. I'm not a, a litigation type, even though I've done a litigation for a couple of years, but if, mm-hmm. if we keep these three options with, for me, I keep litigation, <laughs> you can be rest assured that I will go for any of those three. <laughs> wow. So if I get this correctly, you just wanted to like, Make sure that you were there for those people who could know, who cannot defend themselves, who cannot like stand out for themselves. Just just be the um, like say savior in court. Yes, the, the wow. alternative voice. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good one. That's a very very good one. So you heard it, guys. The African change maker. Anyways, we are not done. So as a non-profit organization, which is the one you run now, what are the challenges you and your team have faced? Because I know like it's not been easy, of course, especially when you're in a, pr- in a place like Nigeria, your team have faced in the fate of achieving drug abuse prevention, making education accessible to rural children and the inclusion of those with physical disabilities. I'm sure like it's a whole lot on your plate. How how do you guys do it? <laughs> we we we're a team of, of of young people um trying to um, um step outside because for us we believe that you don't have as a young person you don't have the right to complain about issues in the society if you are not ready to take action so the moment you begin to complain the moment you begin to notice a problem the only thing that gives you the right to talk about that problem and be listened to is if you are willing to take action okay. so for us that that's our driving force so we're just a couple of young people who um, are not just noticing the problems around them but are willing to take action so um, and uh, we fundamentally believe that if we're able to galvanize young people together they i have seen firsthand the the power of having young people come together it can create uh, literal magic if young people come together so for us as an organization the the challenges are enormous wow yes the challenges are uh, enormous we we work basically in rural communities right and but we we are situated in the urban area so that is to say uh we live all of us live in In the urban area yes the state capital to be precise and then we our intervention mostly are in rural areas because we for us change is about um connecting solutions to people who truly need them yes so we saw that most most interventions are urban based and because the, the reasons are obvious right you can 
easily get a a TV station to co- to cover an event in town. Mm-hmm. They would even gladly want to do that. But if they want to, if you want to get them to a, a rural community, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Your your pockets will go in for it. So, uh, so that is that is why we do what we do. So the funding is an issue, and uh, it's it's an ongoing ongoing issue for many non-profit organizations. Um, That's true. But also, um, one of the things that we struggle with at the beginning of our journey was uh, trying to find out if the work that we are doing was really creating impact. I know someone will wonder. Oh, why is that a challenge? Um, the reason is 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 because we we don't believe in just doing things. For, for me, as as a person, if I'm doing something, I will want to see that that thing is actually changing something. So we kept on asking ourselves because uh, when we started, we were doing advocacy more of advocacy and okay. that is what we still do it's just um maybe um like a year or two ago that we began to do more um practical things like um trying to build curriculums for schools uh, trying to pay school fees so but when we said that was basically advocacy so we're asking ourselves are we really achieving anything just going to talk to people um, so we battled with that for a, a long, a long time, a long time. But um, as we continue to sit back, think about it, observe the communities that we are working, working in, we we, we began to see changes because we also started changing our approach. Instead of doing a fire brigade, just go a day, bombard their community with everything you came with, and, and leave. We started taking it bit by bit, and okay. uh, uh, we we started giving more time: three months, six months, one year, one year and six months, two years in, in communities that we are working with, just to ensure that before we leave, we we have done something substantial. So we also dealt with the issues of acceptance. You know, um, yeah. when when you want to go into a community to carry out a project, especially if you have you are not part of that community. The issue of acceptance, right? It's uh, it's always a problem because um, and you don't blame anybody. People will need to trust you for for them to be able to open up their arms. Yeah. Especially when you are dealing with young people. So, um, but as we continued, you know, and uh, showing how honest we, we were. And uh, just following through the things that we said we we're going to do in those communities, it has been easier. It has been easier for for us for us now. So that is uh, that has been the things that. And these things wow. don't go away. Don't go away eventually. We keep <laughs> on uh, seeing with, them. Yes, seeing them, dealing with them, and uh, overcoming them. Wow, because I believe as you go to like different places. You see different scenarios. Like, have you tried? Have you guys tried to go to like, let me say, uh, some states? Is it up to like four to five, five villages? Do you do you go to like all the parts of Nigeria, or 
just few parts like how many areas you've been able to okay, cover we we um we have been in a couple of states we have been um to the fct we have been to ebony we are situated in enugu so enugu is more of like our base we have also been to kebe and uh, when we carry out these interventions we don't usually focus on just a community especially if we are staying long we would like to do three four communities if we have um, the amount of resources that we need and the time so but in enugu in enugu where we are focused yeah we we do amongst communities local government so we select look uh look some local government pick some communities there and do the work that we are doing oh wow okay so so looking at all of this on your plate do you have like um external sponsors for the busas or um foundation well we we are five years this year wow Um, for the first three years um we have all of our activities was self-funded <laughs> wow so, <laughs> so, uh, so we 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 did not we did not um, we just wanted to to contribute to solving okay the issues that's of good. drug abuse so but that's in good 20, 2022 um we have had um we had a grant in 2022. We okay. had an, another one this this year. So wow. So yes, that is how it has been. Wow. Thank God for everything. And you know, from what I've observed in Nigeria, drug abuse is actually on the rise. And when I think about education, it is very well with our educational system in Nigeria. So can we say that these two sectors have been like top one for your foundation yes it's um you know the the biggest challenge challenge with um, drug abuse and even with the issue of education is is that people don't seem to understand the severity of the problem because uh either because they don't care or they don't have information um, in the course of what we are doing, because we we want to see that we are not just, you know, people tell me that I'm always shouting about drug abuse every time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, many persons have even forgotten my name, so they just call me drugs. <laughs> thank, thank God, I'm a I'm a lawyer. I can always defend myself if anybody is So. <laughs> <laughs> You are at the right place to be. Don't go anywhere. It's a big problem. It's a big problem because, first of all, if a problem is existing and people don't know that that problem exists, the lack of knowledge about the problem is a bigger problem than the problem itself. Yes. So we have a situation where... um, the drug abuse situation in Nigeria is so large that people, people, some people who know about it don't even know where to start from. Take for instance, 
the the global average for drug abuse is 5.4 percent that's if you if you if you put all the country together right and you say in each country um mm-hmm. what is the percentage of their population that are abusing drugs the global average is uh 5.5 wow. in nigeria in nigeria our average is 14.4 percent wow are you serious yes so if you go to nations even the united states the, the, the drug abuse uh, the drug abuse uh, average is is not that high so we are having we are having almost three times so in a in a in a normal country what this estimate is that only about 5.5 percent of that population will be abusing drugs hmm. but in nigeria it is 14.4 percent that's really high of the, of, of the population and you ask yourself where are these people because that's a major question that some people don't know and this is why it is very dangerous if nigeria we have 60 to 70 percent of young people sorry that i'm trying to provide a lecture on drug abuse <laughs> <laughs> no people need to know so if uh, we have 60 to 70 percent of our entire population as young people that are young mm-hmm. people and um we see that 14.4 percent of that population of our population are drug abusers what it means is that a vast majority of the people who are abusing those drugs are going to be young people so statistics have shown us that in nigeria the average age for abusing drugs is between 15 and 64. but independent research is done in some state especially here in in state shows that the average age is 11 years old Mm. so between 11 years and 15 years where are our young people they are either in junior secondary school senior secondary school or first year in the university so this is where the bulk of the people abusing drugs are in if this is our situation what is the hope of our educational and illiteracy level so you see that the connection is not just about drug abuse and that is why the the areas that we work in are so interconnected because yes. if we don't deal with this issue is going to the, the 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 amount of school dropouts that you trace to the issues of drug abuse is is alarming exactly so we're not just dealing with drug abuse on its own we're dealing with the consequences how it affects our education yes which if, if young people don't stay and finish school they're not going to be able to assess the jobs that are available if there are no jobs right if there are jobs and people cannot assess them mm-hmm. crime will be the alternative yes and if crime becomes the alternative then there will be no peace then yes. we start having death so yes it's, it's 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 a it's a big issue it's a big issue and that is why we talk so passionately about it whenever we have whenever we have the opportunity, opportunity. wow so i guess that's why like your foundation focuses more on the rural areas because 
the rural area, most of them are not as um, educated as the ones in the urban areas. Yeah. Yes, wow. that's very that's very true. That's very true. See, the gap the gap is the gap the gap is is unbelievable. And I say this with all sense of humility. I I was telling somebody recently, I said if you take a child in primary four from an urban area and place that child side by side with someone in SS1 in wow. a rural community, in a in a in an average rural community mm-hmm. in Nigeria, the child in primary four in the urban area reads better and understands better than that child, the other child in, in SS1. Wow. That is the sad reality. Very sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. Wow, it's well. So you heard it, guys. First of all, say no to drug abuse. Say no to drug abuse. And please, when your parents pay your fees, those that are in rural communities, and if you know you have any brother, if you pay your pain, his fees, you understand you're paying their fee. Drag their ears. Go to school, look. Go to school. Say no to drug abuse, please. All right? You heard it from the African change maker. <laughs> All right, guys. So, moving on. Can you tell us a bit about your upbringing and how it has shaped you to become who you are today and those that are looking up to you? Like, how how, how has it been for you? How were you brought up? Because can, I can see some little, little sprinkles of, you know, experiences here and there that inspired your foundation uh, uh well my if if you if you want to split the things that have formed my person today i think i would fairly almost give my own bringing 95 percent um so I was I was I was raised by a strong woman. So wow! It, yes. Wow! Amazing. <laughs> so, um, the the nature the nature of her parenting style was such that sets you in motion to think outside of yourself. So it it was more of like I am here now in this world. The things that I have, how can people benefit it? I remember one certain time that my my mom um, killed uh, a chicken, live chicken. So and she was sharing sharing it for the ones that will cook and the ones she was going to give out. And she almost took all the drums. There's a, you know there's a part of the chicken they call drumstick. Yeah. She almost took everything and to go and give somebody. And I called and said, Which one would I be left? Which one would I be left for for me? You know, she 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 um she had this joy for always um, giving that. So I think that also became a uh, was instilled in me and so I I'm always thinking of give more, more and yes more and more effectively to reach I think the best and the best platform to do that was 
setting an organization that yes yeah a, a platform for me to be able to do that so and also having a my my faith and belief in the possibilities of change was okay. was um, was strengthened by the fact that we lived in an environment that we saw all these other things happening this um this anomal- anomaly so to say mm-hmm. you know we the the home where i was raised was like a cultured habitat so you you are in a crisis environment but there is peace and love at home so that that made me see that there is always a possibility to change so if i see if we go out to we are reaching out to young people and uh, they are not accepting our message it's it's it it is it will be very difficult for me as a person to give up on that, on that young person because wow. i have literally seen that even in that darkness so to say mm-hmm. it's the, the possibility for change is is enormous enormous So yeah, I was asking you about your upbringing and how it has shaped you to become who you are today and those that you looked up to. Did you look up to anyone while growing up? Uh, well, I there was there was no one that um, was um, more of a, a role a role model outside of um, my my mom and the things that. I was exposed to in terms of books and uh, some somehow I I was raised to believe in the impossible. So it's that was my driving my driving force. But to say that um, there was someone that uh, was like a, a role model, I think when I even heard about the uh, role models was far 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 <laughs> in the <laughs> university when I was. <laughs> That was when uh, people started shouting and talking about uh, role models. It's uh, it, it it wasn't uh, it wasn't something that was very common uh, with my with my upbringing. Okay. So family meant family meant uh, meant everything. The, the responsibility was on the family to inspire inspire their their children, and so. Um, we just looked up to our, our parents and the things that they, they taught us. Then we began to explore life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good, sir. So, do you think in in the nearest future or sometime later you would like to run for any position politically? You, you, you know, it's um, that's a tough question. It's tough because. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like I said this, I dread, I dread to do things with politicians. And this this for very obvious reasons. In, you know, even as a non-profit leader, uh, whenever we have to um, work with political office holders, we mm-hmm. there is this underlying suspicion. And it's it's not it's not it's not unreal. It's because yeah. of the kind of experiences that we, we have had. Yeah. But uh, if an opportunity comes to 
to be able to serve i will not say nation i will say community because that makes okay. it there that makes it more connected for me okay um, yes if the circumstances are, are right and okay. uh, the, the possibilities of selling one's hand is taken away because yeah i i so much believe that if if you want to step out to do something to serve mm-hmm. you shouldn't be spe- spending money to do so <laughs> <laughs> so so i can't imagine uh, my myself mm-hmm. right struggling to uh they look for someone to bribe to to do this yeah. but yeah. if the circumstances are are right yeah. if, if i feel that this is something that um i must do then it's i would like to give it a try all right that's good so so you are on life lessons podcast with Samuel and in this podcast we share lessons so before you go we'd like to know maybe like three lessons you have learned from your endeavors so far Well, let let me start with um, <laughs> let me start with um, one of the biggest things that I have I have learned is the fact that if God puts an idea in your heart and you believe it, there is almost a hundred and one possibility that that idea will come to fruition. Mm. for for when when people when people ask me about um why i started busoso foundation and i begin to explain those circumstances they are marveled if i tell people that the idea for running a non-profit organization was as strong as my sjs3 I started talking about drug abuse, you people, young people engagement, education, from just just that is the strongest memory I I have. Although there are flashes of just too and and all of that. So everything that I'm doing today, most things that I'm doing today, I've had sprinkles of them while while growing up as as a young person. And I believe that it this was an idea put in my heart by by God, and I I believe it. And today it's it's coming to fruition. Two, the second lesson that I I have learned is is that if you set out to reach out to others and help them become better, you will create more change than if you always fight for yourself to be at the front. Mm. No, we the way we the, the way most Nigerians are raised. You know, we are raised with a very chronic suffering mentality. You know, <laughs> they everybody looks everybody is, is striving so hard not to suffer. Yeah. So be, be, because because of that, we 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 are tempted to even slip into into stepping on others right just to escape that perceived suffering so you see that people people are doing things that will hurt others people are betraying others people are stealing people's ideas people yeah. are breaking commitment here and there just to just to succeed 
but for the other few persons who believe that if you help people grow you are growing i have come to to see that you you will achieve two things the first is that whether you like it or not you become a better person mm-hmm. the second is that you'll be contributing to solving problems that you may have become a victim of take for instance if we succeed in helping one young person stay away from drug abuse we have reduced the possibility of that young person becoming an amber a courtist or someone who will be on drugs and working if he becomes an robber, the possibility that you or someone you know may fall a victim to that act so you it if we begin to think this this way then uh, i think it will make sense so for me i as i see that um there is a great personal benefit for helping other people become better persons wow the the, the, the next lesson is is the power of collaboration i tell i tell people that um our strongest um point as an organization and this is still very true today is our ability to collaborate we started running radio and television programs as far back as 2018 and we didn't have to pay a dime for those programs wow so it it, it was just because um we found a way to always collaborate we're always yeah. we're always trying to reach out always finding how can we collaborate to do this many many young people have not learned that skill yeah you know, power of collaboration yes the power of collaboration is so 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 powerful the first two books that uh, i have written one is one of what was has been published the other one has not been published even though it has been completed all of all of those books i had to come together with with, with, with people to be able to to write to write to write them not because um uh, writing writing a book alone is is bad but somehow when people come together they are able to pull more resources more wisdom so i have learned that you can actually achieve more by collaborating than working alone. I think those are the three lessons that uh, I would share, except if you want me to share more. <laughs> wow, you heard it, guys. We have learned so much. So, so, so much. Like, I feel, I feel so satisfied. What's it called? Belle Fou. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. And you heard it, guys. I have learned a personal lesson from all of this. The first thing and the most important thing I have learned from today is that make a change in your own way. So you, you can see, guys, Mr. Bisa also, sorry, Bisa, teach me how to pronounce it. <laughs> Busa, Busa, Oso. Okay. Busa, okay. Oso. Okay, so... So from Mr. Um, Busa Osoro Bisong, we have learned, I have learned personally that change starts with you. Stop waiting for the government to change something. 
make a change in your own way no matter how small you know everyone is blaming the government the government is the government that this is why people come up with non-profit organizations go out there and make a change and you'll be happy the whole world will not forget you there's no way africa will forget the african change maker of the year in 2023 <laughs> there's no way people in those states that your foundation have gone to there's no way they will forget you so sir we are so glad we are so glad to have you on this podcast today thank you so much for your time we do appreciate thank you thank you so much and uh, well done to the work that you 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 are doing you also contributing <laughs> your quota to uh, ensuring that the change that we seek um is 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 seen because if people are doing things and uh, nobody is talking about the good things that is happening yes. everybody would think that th- this world is already too bad to to live yes. so thank you for amplifying our voices Okay, all right. Thank you so much sir for your time. I really really appreciate it. You have a lovely weekend. Thank you. You too. You too. All right, sir. Bye. Bye. episode is brought to you by XA Media. XA Media is a full-service digital media agency that helps African, non-profit, and impact-driven businesses leverage tech, media, and communication for growth and impact. Visit us at xamedia.africa. If you made it this far, thank you so much for your time. I do not take this for granted. Please be reminded that this podcast is available on every popular platform you know of. If this podcast helps you in any way, please share with your friends and loved ones. Additionally, please do not forget to give us a rating in all that hands are reached to people around the world. You can also send us an email if you have any suggestions or inquiry. Do have a lovely day or night wherever you're listening to this from. Alright, bye. Thank <laughs> you.